Please do join me in taking out your Bibles once again and turning not to Luke 7, where we've been, but to Luke 24. Luke chapter 24. As we turn to God's Word, let's ask Him for the help that we need. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, be pleased to speak now to your people through your word and by your spirit. Father, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, minds to know, hearts to embrace the good news of Jesus Christ as he is made known in the gospel. We pray in his name. Amen. It's not only been said, but it's been sung that everybody's looking for something. And we know from personal experience that that's true. You and I are looking. Everyone around us is looking for something. The man on the street, the woman on the street is looking for something. The person you see every day when you look in the mirror is looking for something. What people are looking for in this life is significance, purpose, meaning. I mean, that has driven, right, the world's philosophies, the world's literature from the beginning. Philosophy and literature are filled with this quest for significance, for purpose, and meaning in life. Now, some people may be looking for the right things, but they may be looking in the wrong places. Others may be in the right places, but they may be looking for the wrong things. Now, we're here in church, in worship, on Easter Sunday. Indeed, I would argue, and I think you would argue, because you're here, that this is a good place to be. This is the best place to be. This is, as it were, the right place to be. But are we here today looking for the right things? Not just looking for good things, but better things. Not just better, but the best thing, the ultimate thing, the thing that is above everything else. Everybody's looking for something. So what are you looking for today? April 9th, 2023. What are you looking for? Are, are you looking for relief from, from suffering? Are you looking to get out from underneath hard circumstances? Are, are, are you looking for a, a, a way out? As we've been talking about doubt last week and, and how to deal, what to do about doubt, are, are you looking for assurance? Are you looking for the right kind of certainty? Not the shove it down your throat to somebody else certainty, but just the quiet, peaceful certainty. 
Everybody's looking for something. And when you find what you're looking for, right, it's a time for celebration. I mean, the Bible even says that. We're going to get to it in Luke. You, you lose a sheep, you find that sheep. There's a celebration. You lose a coin, you sweep the house and you find that coin and there is a celebration. And indeed, when that lost son is found, there is a celebration. And when you find your keys, right, there's a celebration right? When you find what you're looking for, the search stops. The quest ends. You throw a party. You throw a, you're celebrating, right? However, could it be possible that not finding something is much better than finding it? Could it be that actually not finding something is way better, fabulously better than actually finding it. Well, my friends, there's been an event in history where not finding something is so much better than finding it. In fact, it caused a great celebration that to this very day has not ended. In fact, today, probably more people are gathered to celebrate this than on any other day. It's Easter Sunday. And that's what we have in our text this morning, Luke's narrative account of the resurrection of Jesus. Remember, Luke's been going through the life and ministry of Jesus He's written an orderly account that his reader then and now would have certainty concerning the things that they've been taught. Luke, again, is, is writing for a purpose. He wants his reader to have certainty, to have assurance about Jesus, that he is who he says he is. So Luke is including this because he wants people to have certainty and assurance about the resurrection of Jesus. Because as we heard earlier, read from 1 Corinthians 15, if, if the resurrection is not true, it didn't happen, then, then we might as well all just get up and go home. I mean, the service would end, there's not even going to be a benediction. Because that is definitely not a good word. I mean, Paul wrote, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ hasn't been raised your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. However, if the resurrection is true and did happen in space, time, history, everything has changed. Everything has changed. Luke wants us, God wants us to rest assured each and every day as to the truth of the resurrection. Now in Luke's account, because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all, all have accounts of the resurrection. In, in Luke's account of the resurrection of Jesus on the first day of the week, we'll see three things. A great question being asked, a simple command being given, and a faithful response being demonstrated. And so let's take first a listen and then a look. 
Join with me as I read Luke 24, 1 through 12. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they, that is, if you look back to the end of chapter 23, that's the women who accompanied Jesus, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise? And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves. And he went home marveling at what had happened. So first, a great question being asked. Here's the scene, right? An empty tomb and and an encounter with angels. Remember, the women were the last to leave the scene of the crucifixion. They were the last ones hanging around the cross. And they're the first to arrive at the empty tomb, the scene of the resurrection. Now this day didn't start out as one of special joy and rest. Rather, it started out with deep sorrow and work to be done. Upon arrival, they found the stone rolled away and they didn't find what they were looking for. They didn't find the body of Jesus. They are perplexed. They are utterly at a loss. They are bewildered. It's not surprising because at that moment, they don't yet believe. Who had removed it? Well, it couldn't have been the religious leaders who were opposed to Jesus. If they had the body, they would have shown it. And it couldn't have been the apostles and disciples. They were too frightened and in despair following The death of Jesus. They're confused. They're baffled. And soon, as we heard, they they became afraid. The empty tomb is not self-explanatory. They see the empty tomb and they don't know what it means. Someone's got to explain it to them. As I thought about that, I was thinking about the origin of one of my favorite songs. It's called More to This Life, written by a Kentucky-born and bred singer-songwriter. And as I learned about the history of this song, I learned, believe it or not, please believe it, he said it, the author said it. It was written on I-75 going north on the Brent Spence Bridge and back south 
on the Brent Smith's Bridge as he was on his way from Tennessee to his wife's uncle's funeral in the Dayton, Ohio area. And I just want to uh, read the chorus. But there's more to this life than living and dying, more than just trying to make it through the day, more to this life, more than these eyes alone can see. And there's more to this life alone can be. More than these eyes can see. There's more going on right now at the empty tomb than they can see. They've got to have a word. They've got to have a word. And that word starts with a question. It's asked, why do you seek the living among the dead? It's a startling question. It gets to the root of the matter Immediately, it's straight to the point. In other words, why are you looking for Jesus where he can't be found in a graveyard, right? Most of us think dead people, dead bodies are found in graveyards, right? But they ask a question. Why are you looking here? Why are you seeking the living among the dead? Now, the implication here in this question is you're looking in the wrong place. But in asking the question, a statement is made. In other words, if you didn't get the message via an indirect question, and my friends, if I have an Achilles heel, it's I'm indirect, right? I place probably too much value on being indirect. And so here I've got a good example of how to be direct. They make a statement. You're looking in the wrong place because he's not here. He has risen. He's not here, but has risen. They didn't get it via the indirect question. They had to be told directly. Now what follows this question and answer is a simple one-word command. Let's take a look at this simple command being given. We see that in verse 6. Remember. Remember. The simple command is remember. Because they're operating on a faulty assumption, they need a mild and gentle rebuke. This rebuke is, you must have forgotten Jesus' own prophecy. Uh, here's the call. You need to remember. Now, now remember how. Not remember that or remember when, but remember how. How he told you, right, over and over and over again, for those of you that are familiar uh, with Jesus's words, you know three times, at least it's recorded, three times in the Gospels, he said, the Son of Man is going to be delivered over to the authorities. He's going to suffer. He's going to be crucified. He's going to be died, buried, but on the third day, he's going to rise from the dead. Three times here in Luke chapter 9, chapter twice in chapter 9, once in chapter 18, three times. In other words, I want you to remember this. I mean, anytime Jesus would say something once, it's important, right? Twice, really important. Three times? Kids, help me out. What kind of superlative would it be? Like super duper important? Like absolutely important? Like maybe don't forget it? But what did they do? They forgot it. 
So, of course, in order to remember what Jesus said, we've got to first know what he said, right? You can't remember what you never heard. So how are you all doing at remembering? You know, the command is remember. How are you doing right now when it comes to remembering? I think all of us tend to remember what we love, right? We remember what we love because our heart affection is captured. So the question today is, how's your love for Jesus? Warm? Cold? Existent? Non-existent? I mean, we all worship something, we all love something. It's to be human, it's to worship, to be human, it's to love. How, how's, your, how's your love for Jesus today? So what's the cure for a dull memory? I think one cure is to grow in love toward Christ, to set our affections on him. We don't easily forget the things we love. We don't easily forget the objects that we continually keep before our eyes. My friends, is Jesus by the eyes of faith in front of you? Something's in front of you. You're looking at something. I'm looking at something. I'm looking for something. We look for Jesus and we look to Jesus, of course, by faith. We, we see him now by faith. I mean, Peter writes in a letter that he says, I'm so encouraged. You guys haven't even seen and yet you believe and you love him even though you haven't seen him and you are filled with inexpressible joy. That's what faith will do. So how did the women respond to this command, this call to remember? Well, we see thirdly a faithful response being demonstrated. We see that in verses eight and nine. The faithful response of the women. Um, and they remembered his words. They had been with Jesus. They had heard his words. They had seen his actions. Then they remembered. My friends, the Christian life is much more, but it is certainly nothing less than remembering what God has said. Christian discipleship or sanctification or following Jesus and becoming more and more like him, it's teach me about Jesus and then remind me over and over again of what I've been taught, what I already know. How do we remember? There's a great song called Remember to Remember. I forget to remember. How do we remember well, one way is to be here today, every Lord's Day, being exposed to and participating in the means of grace. The, the word is read and prayed. There's worship. And I don't know about you all, but when I'm by myself, 
when I'm doing things on my own, that's when I most easily forget. I think we remember most easily together. At times, we have to remember for one another, right? That's why fellowship is so important. That's why getting together as believers is so important. We're we're apt to not forget if we're surrounded by people that keep reminding us of the words of Jesus, what he has done for us. They remembered and then the women returned and told others what they had seen and heard. Right up alongside the faithful response of the women is the unfaithful response of the 11 apostles. We read, but these words seemed to them an idle tale and they did not believe them. I like some other translations. It was nonsense to them. Are you kidding? It's nonsense. They were unwilling to believe. They were slow to believe. This is not the first time they are gripped in unbelief. We've seen it throughout Mark, or excuse me, throughout Luke already. But Peter, Peter rose up and ran to the tomb. He looked in, he saw, and he went home marveling at what happened. I mean, here's a prelude to coming attractions. Here's, here's Peter. His immediate response isn't denial. He marvels. And we know how the rest of that story goes with Peter. He's restored. Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost and he preaches a sermon and many come to faith in Jesus. So what are these responses uh, to this announcement to the news of the resurrection show us? Well, I think first there are two responses to the news of the resurrection, belief and disbelief. But secondly, and I think this is important, belief in the resurrection is a process. It may be short process, the women. It may be a long process in the case of the men. And because there was this initial rejection of the news, initially it's viewed as nonsense, an idle tale, It's going to take some time to be persuaded, to be convinced. My friends, if you're trying to share Jesus with a family member, a neighbor, a co-worker, be patient. God is at work. Remember, belief can take a long time. Don't give up. So, as we've already mentioned, it's easy to look for the right thing in the, in the wrong place, right? We see that with the women. Or for the wrong thing in the, in the right place. I mean, people do it all the time. You, me, everyone. And in a manner similar to how the women were looking for something where it couldn't be found, many are looking for life in things that are empty at best and dangerous or deadly at worst. You see, everybody 
you, me, the man on the street, the man in the mirror, we're often looking for life in things that are dead. So what are you looking for today? I'm looking forward to Easter dinner. I'm looking forward to a nap. I'm, but, but no, that, that's trivial, isn't it? What are you looking for in life? Significance, purpose, meaning. Again, are you looking to get out of the hard circumstances? Are, are you looking to, to get back at someone? Are you looking to um, get relief, get a new job, improve your finances, restore, what are you looking for? Are you looking for some kind of assurance that everything is going to be okay? Are, are you looking for a way to be right with God? See, I think many people, whether they acknowledge it or not, are interested and desire to be in a right relationship with God. But in doing that, they're looking for what they have to do. And so when they achieve it, whatever the it is, they're filled with pride. But when they haven't achieved it, when they think they're failed, they've failed they're often paralyzed with fear. They're looking for what they have to do to be right with God. And if they think they did right, pride comes along. And if they think they did wrong or failed, despair comes along. But the gospel is the news of what God has done it's not primarily advice on what we are to do, not advice on how to live. It's, it's done, not do. The gospel is a four-letter word, not a two-letter word. It's news about Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his promised return. You see, you and I, either standing up here or sitting in the pew, we're all so sinful that Jesus had to die for us. And that really undercuts our pride. But my friends, we are also so loved that Jesus was glad to die for us. And that sucks the fear out of our lives. Now as important as this call to remember is, our, our hope is not ultimately in our ability to remember. Because if that's the case, the more years that go by, the worse shape I'm going to be in. Our hope is not in our ability to remember. Rather, our hope is in God's ability and commitment to remember his promises. The women were expecting to find the dead body of Jesus. They didn't find it. Rather, they found an empty tomb and were later found by the risen Lord. In other words, you don't find Jesus. He finds you. I think everybody in this room has sung 
amazing grace, right? We sing it, but do we believe it? I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Remember Jesus' mission and his purpose? Luke 19.10, the Son of Man came what? To seek and to save the lost. Remember how it's said in John, John chapter 10, Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy, but I have come that you would have life and life more abundantly. My friends, Jesus wasn't looking for something. He was looking for someone. In fact, Jesus goes looking for the dead and when he finds them, he brings the dead to life. Not only does Jesus find you, but the gospel declares that he does for you what you could never do for yourself. He lived and died on your behalf and in your place. He rose and lives and you rise and lives. And for those of you at Grace and Peace, you hear that over and over and over again, right? Why? So we don't forget. We don't forget. My friends, in Jesus and in him alone, you'll find what you've been looking for. You're looking for significance. You'll get it in Jesus. You're looking for meaning in life. You'll get it in Jesus. You're looking for a purpose in life. You'll find it in Jesus. Some of us, it's taken a lot of miles to come to that recognition. Others of you, it's been, a, it's been a short journey. Whether it's long and rough or smooth and easy. Life, its significance, its meaning, its purpose is found nowhere else than in Jesus. Those who see the empty tomb... And those who see the risen Lord by faith find life to the full. You see, the empty tomb means life is full for us. Full of significance, full of meaning, full of purpose, full of joy in the midst of sorrow. Full of the things that sin and death cannot touch. My friends, on this Easter day, on this Lord's day, remember, remember the promises of God. Remember that life, true everlasting life is found nowhere else other than in the risen living Christ. Come to him, keep coming to him by faith and you'll find rest for your souls. You'll find life. Indeed, there is more to this life than living and dying.
more than these eyes alone can see. What we see now by faith, we will one day see with our eyes. And we will rejoice that sin and death have been conquered once and for all. Amen. Father, we are a people slow to believe. We are a people that are even today seeking significance and meaning and purpose in life in things that are good at times, but not ultimate. Father, would you rearrange our lives by giving us the eyes of faith to see the empty tomb, to see the risen and reigning and returning Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the good news of the resurrection. Help us to live today like we believe it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus has come.